I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. This is a weekend update for the week ending June 26, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, we have a lot of stuff on the docket for the week ending we came into last monday's candle and they can't bounce the market so we're going to do a recap of what happened on friday from an intraday perspective we're going to look around the horn and then what we're going to do is talk about those downside numbers that did now come out of the calculator where's the market headed if she continues the downside and there is a line in the sand we all know the line in the sand we talked about it probably half a dozen times the line in the sand well now there's two lines in sand so the first line in the sand is last monday's low the low is 296.74 and what i said is if closed below that low we would see acceleration on the downside frankly i don't think we're gonna have to wait if the market's going down i don't think we have to wait for last monday's low i think the bottom line is below on a daily closing basis below the big fat round number of 300 is going to probably do the trick as of friday's close they're teetering on 300 anyway they're likely to give up the ghost unless we see a nice big fat rally ensue leading into sunday night into monday of next week and then they can obviously start what we like to call a repair operation the repair operation is really simple They have to get above Friday's high and close a day above Friday's high. That's it. Other than that, no dice. The high is 306.39 until unless they close a day or in first start hourly closing above that number. But they have to close a day. Daily close above that number, no dice. So let's talk about what's going on here. Where would the market likely find support under what we like to call normal garden variety conditions? First, let's talk about the concept of what's going on here. So we'll use the broad stroke and say the market rallied up and it basically kind of went sideways for a little while, a little bit of a fit and start here, fit and start here, and then it broke out to the upside. So what we're going to do is we're going to call this the beginning of the breakout area. So the market, meaning on the way back down. So the market broke out. And now is coming back to test a former breakout area. We talk about that almost every single day, depending on what chart we're looking at. So this is no different. Let's clean it up a bit. And let's start from this area here, which is basically where the market rallied up, stalled, and then finally was able to bust through. And you see it really encompassed a gap up here. And that's the way the market was basically poised to recock the gun if you will and then shoot up higher so that did create very simply a breakout area markets like to come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas so they made an attempt to do it here they didn't quite get there so here's the concept they came down and they came close here so We know that the first hit, just like the trades from inside the numbers or anything else, 
The first run to a specific number, the first run to an area, resistance, or support is your first opportunity for that reaction in the other direction. And it also goes for gaps as well. Remember what we always say, when they come up short of a gap by a few pennies and trade away, the next time down, do we expect the market to stop short at the gap or are they likely to trade through the gap regardless of which direction it's going? And it's really the latter of the two. The first run is your best run. If they don't do it on the first run, it just is what it is. It doesn't mean there's always the perfect trade on the board. We just have to read the market for what it's telling us. So the fact that, back to that famous last Monday's low, that came relatively close to that breakout area. So on the next run down, we're not going to really focus as much at the top portion of the breakout area. We're going to say that the market is more likely to come into the breakout zone, if you will. What do I mean by that? Well, when you take a look at the chart, you say, well, what do we have over here? Let's get a line back in there to identify the top. And we're going to say this general zone is the top. Okay, so the top, we'll use this line and we'll say it's right around 294, 294 and a quarter. It is on a specific number. Folks that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader should be able to identify what exactly that number is or why that number exists. It's very similar to, if you remember, 312.15, 312.33. This is one of those same type of situations. When we look down south a little bit, we say, well, what do we have beneath the top end of the range of the breakout zone? Well, it's obvious we have a gap over here, and that comes in at 286.28. Now that we have somewhat of a guideline, and then we have an awareness. We have an awareness on two fronts. A, the market can cut through all this stuff like a hot knife through butter any point in time. We've seen that happen before. We'll see that happen again. However, under normal garden variety market conditions, this zone is going to stop a fall in the market if a fall is happening from a distant place. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say, for example, the market is found down in this zone within the next week. So the market over the next several trading days, let's say one, two, four, five trading days, finds itself down in that 286, 285, 290, 291 area. Somewhere in here, you're going to be looking for an assemblance of support. So therefore, we go back to what's taught in the course, the foundations of how markets work. How do we identify when the market's making a turn? Because you're going to find buyers in a former breakdown or breakout area when the market gets there in rapid fashion under normal conditions. So what does that mean? We use the 80-20 rule. In this case, it's really like the 90-10 rule. You're going to find support in here at minimum, at bare minimum, even if it's from an intraday perspective, you will get a rip-your-face-off rally somewhere in that zone. And we know the routine. Sometimes they come up short of the gap. They come up in the middle of the range. They come up just short of the range, which I don't really expect in this particular case. I would expect the market, if it's going to continue going down, And let's just say, for argument's sake, you get hourly closes and then a daily close below the big fat round number, 300, ES 3000, and you have to be looking into this zone in rapid fashion. You certainly have a roadblock here under normal market conditions, 
but I would have the market coming down into this zone with a daily close below the big fat round number. What happens just for fun if I had to pick a number and I said, here's where the market is likely to go and here's where likely support is, give or take, let's just say for argument's sake, 50 cents. There it is. The thin green line, 291.50, just below the 100 period moving average is my number. Just as a point of interest, we would be looking for those signs and signals from first an intraday short-term chart perspective of a trend change, which is also depicted by the variety of things that are taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. 291.50 is the area that I'm putting up on the board as the number. If we get a close below 300, that's where I think the market is headed. How about inside the numbers? Let's take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll take a look at inside the numbers on this Friday or this past Friday. What did we wake up to? We woke up to a quiet, mainly flat market leading into the weekend. That's what it looked like when we woke up. So we knew they would move, but certainly the writing was not on the wall for what happened at the end of the day Friday, certainly not leading into the day Friday. So let's scroll up, take a look at what we've got. Right out of the chute, this trader was looking for the market to do the early morning shakeout, find some support right around that 3058 to 3062 zone, and then likely trade the market up higher, maybe to the pre-market early morning highs. Well, what happened was, in this particular case, that was put on the board eh, maybe 20, 30 minutes, maybe even a little more before the opening bell, and closer to the opening bell, they started to drip lower, and then they opened right into that zone, and then they killed it. So what do we have? Already at 921, before the open, they've already done the 360 ballpark. We're looking for the next spot. They cut through the next spot, and basically, it was game on for the Bears right out of the chute. So was I looking for an early bounce? Was I looking for the market to find stability on a Friday, just do the early morning shakeout, and then do the normal Friday thing where they kind of get quiet and float around most of the day? And frankly, that is what I was looking for. So it's a great example of what makes a market. Different people see different things. And it's also why we have to show up in uniform every single day. You're playing with the big boys. You have to be ready to go. And sometimes at the end of the game, you just have to be in the reality stage of we're not going to win every single trade. We're not even going to win every single day. And here is the mea culpa I had a bad day on Friday. I lost a couple of trades early trying to get that early bounce in the market. And then we'll look at stocks on the move and we'll see what went on there. Of course, you know, we look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's scroll up so you can read the rest of the notes. Basically, what we had it boiled down to is where we knew that 305 was important. We knew that from the day before. And so once they gave up 305, the writing was on the wall that they were going to end up getting to 300. And there it is in the notes. We'll get to it if we haven't got to it already, but it's in here. It was the writings on the wall giving up 305. The target is 300. There you could see a 1038 while 300 is on the table. And of course it's not one table. It's on the table. I'm typing fast. Sometimes I have typos let's continue scrolling up you can read the notes and again 1107 without recapturing 305 no dice for the bulls 300 and lower on the table and as they work lower you have a new resistance point 30285 without that they work lower 
300. 11.11 so far, 285 to 300 was resistance. That was supposed to be resistance. It was resistance. See 11.05. 302.85 will be some resistance if reached. Here you go with the spider chart. Here's a five minute deal. So everything to the right is Friday's activity. So here's where they made the low. And this is, what time is this over here? 10.55. And they rally up to 302.85. What was the high? 302.84, not getting to the number, and then they quickly sell off, try it again, sell off again, try it again, sell off again. Without that, without that 285, 302.85 to 300 area, no dice, losing 305, then you have another resistance area when the market gets below it, and then 300 was on the table all day long. Let me go ahead and let you finish reading the notes, and there it is. Finishing out at about 3 o'clock, no surprise, they finally did 300. Even here again at 140, no change, still 302.85 to 303 is resistance until it's not. That was 140. Right here is 140, they couldn't even get there. If they did get there, we would have expected the same routine. Not being able to get there was even worse for the Bulls. We had three opportunities listed on the board, GS... Wells Fargo, GS is Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, and Nike. Let's go ahead and take a peek at the charts as well. The first one on the board was Goldman Sachs, and you can see the closing price on Thursday was 207. Here's your haircut opening price, 199, and it just went lower. When I put that one up on the board, I absolutely did not think that 190.97 would be hit on Friday at all. But it was there, I could see it, and there really weren't that many opportunities early to put on the board, so I put it up there, you never know. You just don't expect Goldman Sachs to trade down 15, 20 bucks on the day, especially when the market is kind of flat when you do the work. Maybe they were getting hit with the bank stress tests and all that stuff, so it was no big deal at the time. So what was the low over here in the morning? The low on the button was 190.97. How do you do that? It's remarkable. It never ceases to amaze me. After that initial bounce, and you can see making a high of 192.92, so officially that was a pretty good trade at the time if you were filled. And actually I did hear from a few traders that were filled. I didn't get filled, but good for them. Wells Fargo came into the number, it fought the number for a while, and then it gave up the ghost into the end of the day. But when the market is trading down as heavy as it was, you have to expect there to be excess downward pressure on stocks because everything gets taken out behind the woodshed when that happens. We all know as traders that when you're trading and the market is excessively going in one direction or another, your risk isn't the same as if the market is quiet. That's just the way it works. That's part of the common sense market analysis thing. And Nike, similar routine, only it went to the second number after finding some stability at the first. Again, when the market is selling hard, you have to expect everything's going to be under pressure and it would be in the 20% of the 80-20 rule if Nike was just to get a huge rally as the market's selling hard. It would be nice if that happened if you were in the trade, but it's unlikely to happen when that happens. So what you say is, Look, it came into 97, it found some support, it gave a quick little bounce. What's the high over here? The high was 97.49, so it gave half a percent, a little bounce, went sideways for 40, 45 minutes. At that point in time, you know that the writing is on the wall, that it was hanging out for a cup of coffee. Here's a little trade school 101. 
So let's just say a trader was in this trade. We're going to do damage control on a trade like this. So let's say you were in this trade and you didn't cut and run when it was hanging out for a cup of coffee, which you really should do, right? If it's hanging out for a cup of coffee on the number for 45 minutes, an hour, something like that, it's just not happening. You want to reduce the risk that you have on the table. But let's say you don't. Let's say you're waiting, waiting, waiting. You don't want to cut and run. You're even on the trade. You want to see if you get one pop and all of a sudden it starts to trade lower. What's your out? It's very simple. You take the prior low that was made already, market tried to reverse here. So it went down, tried to reverse here. That's your low. Your low is 96.71 on a hard stop. At this point, it's a hard stop. This is if you're not interested in waiting for the second, buying the second number, where the stop on an hourly closing basis, painting by the numbers, playing by the rules, it would be an hourly close below the second number, right? That's obvious. But if you see the market character change from what it was when the stuff was put up on the board, you have to be able to change with the market. That's what a trader does. An investor owns something. It has a bad day. They just turn around. They look the other way. They don't look at the account. They go about their business. It'll come back. It's over for the long term. A trader has to change what their opinion is based on what the market is doing. If the market changes from what it was an hour or two hours ago or yesterday, that trader has to be able to adjust. They have to show up with an open mind. A trader doesn't care whether the market's going down, going up, as long as they can have an opportunity that takes advantage of what the market is doing. That's it. Before we leave the spider chart, the S&P 500, Let's take a look at the 240-minute chart, and I just want to show you something as a point of interest. So I always say that you have to look at as many charts as possible to get the picture from a bunch of different perspectives. Well, when you look at the 240-minute chart, it's interesting that you see the 240-minute, 200-period moving average that comes in right around that same price of 291.50. Now, today, it's slightly above that. Three or four days from now, they may be converging at the same place. It's interesting. It happens to be on the 240-minute chart, the last moving average line of defense on this chart. It's an interesting look of note, puzzle piece on the table. What about the weekly chart? Now you see a convergence of the 20-week and the 100-week moving average right underneath 191.50. So... Now I just showed you two additional reasons why that general area is interesting. It's not the reason I came up with 291.50, but when I start looking around at other charts, it supports the number. There's certainly other things that support other numbers, but I'm looking for things that coincide with the number that I came up with that gives me reason to have more confidence in the number. When you see something appear on one chart, and it supports something that appears on a different chart that's totally different than the first chart, and they both coincide with a certain number, and I've done this long enough to know you're generally in the ballpark. Camp IWM, leading to the downside. It is our favorite market-leading indicator. On a percentage basis, it was leading to the downside. However, not by a ton, just by fractions of a percent. 
So it wasn't leading by all that much, but nevertheless, a similar ugly day across the board. Ugly is in terms of it was a down day, it was a red day. If you were short the market, it wasn't an ugly day, it was a beautiful day. Same routine with the IWM. You get below last Monday's low, this is the 15th. The low was 133.28, and you can certainly see some acceleration, and you have a gap down here. And if the IWM is selling harder than the S&P, which it traditionally will do, that's in the earlier stages of a down move. It's going to lead the market down. As the move matures, and you're beginning to get close to that area where we're looking for a bottom, air quotes, you know that routine, then you're generally going to find the IWM being a little bit stronger, trying to give a hint that things are turning around. Doesn't mean they turn around on a dime, but we look for clues that the IWM is no longer leading in the downside or downward southern direction. The folks down at the transportation department are coming into the moving average again. The 100 moving average it visited on Thursday. Now it visited again on Friday. Didn't close below yet. You can see what's going on here. You've got a convergence working. So you get below these, you fill the gap. And if the market across the board, the S&P, NASDAQ, and everything else is selling, then guess what? Then the transports are going to be selling, of course. They're all going to fight last Monday's low, the 15th, together. One will be the first to give it up on an hourly basis, and the rest will follow through like a waterfall. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? All of a sudden, in one fell swoop, they give up the 20-period moving average or home base. Now, read it this way. I call this reading the tape, at least from where I sit, my perspective. So they had an opportunity to close above the 20-period moving average. They chose not to. That's a negative sign. That's a bearish hint, unless it's one of those from Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew. Are all they're going to do is fill this gap down here? No, I think not. They're going to start to challenge down inside this candle, if not below last Monday's low, the 15th, once again. It's a famous day. Here's something we can watch out for. So I would pay attention to this. Watch the cues and see if when the market does bottom, let's just fast forward. I don't know if it's going to be three days from now or 13 days from now. It doesn't make any difference. Wherever the market bottoms, watch to see if in fact the cues have ever gotten below on a closing basis the 15th or last Monday's low and the other markets may have. That would be a tell for another rally ensuing ahead. I'm way projecting in the future. I'm just telling you what's on my mind. Inside my mind is a dangerous place to be. Put on your rain boots. You know the routine. And by the way, I said put on the rain boots this time because there was sure a storm in there overnight from Friday into Saturday when I'm making this video. There's a tornado going on inside my head the financials we know the routine here too without the financials market's not going anywhere and look what's going on here they gave up the last moving average line of defense the 50 period moving average closed decisively below i think the financials if my math is correct is headed to 21 bucks this is also the first market that we see that gave up last monday's low they challenged it here had the reversal on thursday Gave up the ghost on Friday, closed below last Monday's low. Here comes acceleration, you'll fill the gap, and I think 21 or slightly lower is in the cards on the table. Smash Mouth, also similar routine. They gave up its 20-period moving average. Obviously, after challenging it the prior two days, that's a negative. They're coming lower, 
And once they give up 147, as long as the market's on a sell, meaning the other markets across the board are selling and you've got the tide going out. So you see who doesn't have any clothes on. So you're going to see some air come out of the bubble of the SMH as well. I'm not insinuating it's a bubble in the true sense of the word bubble. I just used the term. It flowed into the sentence. Where's the last breakout area in the SMH by chance? Right here. Happens to coincide with the 50 period moving average. So we'll call it 140. So what do you have? You have 140, which is a round number of sorts. Would be better if it was 150, but it's not. It's 140. That's the last breakout area. The market really shot up to the upside after consolidating here for a while. So what's going to happen? You're going to come back to test it. You also have an important moving average there. Hasn't seen the 50 in a little bit of a while? Little bit of a while. Is that any relation to a couple of whiles? One of my kids used to say a couple of whiles instead of a couple of minutes. Anyway, have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? That is true, accurate information. I'm going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.